it's almost easy to do the early years engagement, isn't it? You know, that's the at the easy end of the market. That doesn't cost money, really. It costs you a few hours of time or it costs you a staff member for a day or some slides or a work experience placement. It's easy and everyone loves the photos that come out of it. You know, young people on a construction site. It's good for PR. It's fantastic. But what's the point of promoting the industry and saying to young women, yes, it's fine, come in, come join, when further down the line they're going to find that they can't work flexibly or part-time after they've had a family or they've got care requirements of older relatives. They can't climb the career ladder because they're not invited to those golf days, which are the events when you get to speak to the directors or management. You know, like those kind of things are still happening and there's not a lot that goes on really to change those the leaky tap issue further down the line um but I hear what you're saying about being burnt out because I've only really been like publicly involved I'd say for the last 18 months and even I've got to the point sometimes where I'm like oh why do I do why why do I bother you know you hit a brick wall time and time again but if everyone gave up then nothing would ever get done Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, the podcast for surveyors who just love what they do. I'm Marion Ellis and in today's podcast I catch up with the surveying sensation that is Sinead Clarkson, a QS for a plastering firm in West Yorkshire. Sinead has made a point of raising awareness about gender diversity and early careers in the surveying sector, sharing her experiences along the way. She's also co-chair of the National Association of Women in Construction in Yorkshire, who have been leading a fantastic campaign for better PPE. Right, so welcome to the podcast, Sinead. Thank you. We've met a couple of times, I think, now, hasn't it? Only briefly at various things, but I feel like I've known you for a long time. So it's really good to get to uh, chat to you. Um, And you're a QS, is that right? Yes, I am a quantity surveyor. Yep. I work for a plastering subcontractor uh, based just outside of Leeds in West Yorkshire. We're quite a small uh, scale business, really. We sort of only cover the Yorkshire area, but it's nice. quite enjoy it. And tell me a bit about what that involves then. Is that measuring up plasterboards? <laughs> quantity surveying. <laughs> <laughs> What's no, that? I'm, glad, I'm glad you've asked because I think sometimes as surveyors, there's so many different diff- types of surveyor. We don't all know what each other do, do we? I didn't realise how many different types of building surveyor there are until recently. So yeah, quantity surveyor, we just look after the costs involved in a construction project. It can be from start to finish, but I tend to jump in at construction stage. Um, So obviously once it's all gone through feasibility and planning, everything like that, it's pricing works, it's managing the contracts, it's looking after materials and labour, submitting your monthly valuations, negotiating on changes and and variations in the contract and then finalizing accounts so I always say it's like a cross between an accountant and a solicitor but construction specific oh Um, that's a nice way of putting it yeah I always use that when I do school events I think it's quite a nice way for kids to understand where we are really because if you say to children oh I do valuations every month it's just kind of straight over their head isn't it yeah 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 definitely and uh, do you need to know much about the materials you're you're costing and budgeting and working out? I will hold my hands up and say I, I can't plaster. I'm not. I've never. Well, I've tried a few times, and and these arms are not cut out for <laughs> troweling up or anything. 
I have quite a good understanding of the systems that we use, the plaster systems. Obviously, we have no design responsibilities as a subcontractor, uh, but we do flag things if they're not compatible um, with building regs. So I think at my end of the of the profession, people generally do have really good understanding of the products that they're specifying or, or pricing. Whereas I think at the other end of the QS spectrum, shall we say, they're less practical. They're not on site as often. They're not really involved in the really nitty gritty. I call it the coalface of the, of the QS industry, really. But I enjoy that part of it anyway. And I like dabbling in a bit of DIY at home so that I can understand better anyway how it all works. And then I think having that understanding really helps you understand your pricing better and understand problems when they occur. And are there, I mean, when I think of QSs, obviously I'm coming from the resi size and, and mm. getting to know more about surveyors and, and what they do. But from the, when I think of the QS, I think of bigger projects, you know, lots yep. of spreadsheets, budgeting, all of the, all of those things, you know, sometimes uh, a site visits. But are there many surveyors like you working for very small businesses like this? And do you have a network of them or how does that Work. Yeah, they. I mean, all pretty much all subcontractors at our level will have at least a QS, um, somewhere in the business or, or some sort of pricing member of staff. Um, I mean, while we are small, we're working on large scale residential new build projects. So we're talking sort of in the realms of hundreds of houses. So it, it's small but not tiny. Um, you know, we're not going in people's homes and doing a bit of a fireplace replast or anything. It's nothing like that. And I've got to know a few different QSs from university. From when I was at uni, I went to, I was in the same class as a very good friend now who's a joinery QS. So he works for a joinery subcontractor. It's it's a difficult place to be because it's not like you're in big meetings with them all the time. You tend to meet with the main contractor's QS and that's it or the site team, the main contractor's QS, you don't really tend to go into a meeting with all the different sub-EQSs and it can be a bit of a, a lonely sort of place really in the industry. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking because you know, there's lots of surveyors that I meet who are the only surveyor in their business or their organisation or local authority or whatever. Yeah. And it means you do have to put yourself out there a bit more to go and find more people like you. Because all of us need that bit of support and if we see something, what do we do or, you know, how to deal with a challenging situation. And you just talk about new builds, thinking, oh, you know, the whole sort of <laughs> quality of new builds snagging and all of, all of those things, you know. And, you know, and, some t and I often, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> I often talk to people about, you know, you've got to be technically trained to do the job, but you've got to do the job in context. Yeah. And so you've got to know what your client's doing, what will happen before, after, all the sort of periphery bits so that you can, you know, get a full sort of rounded 360 view, whatever you want to call it, of um, uh, of the job. And, and that really helps you with your own, your own uh, confidence. How did you get into this kind of work, though? Uh, by accident, completely by accident. So my career path is very wobbly. I started out... I did my A-levels. I did biology, chemistry, physics, maths and further maths. And school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And they advised me that maybe medicine might be a really good idea. So I went and did that for a year and hated it. I went to a medical school where they put you straight in on one day a week. You go into a hospital or a GP and you get that experience. And I just remember thinking, this is not what I want to do at all. I didn't like the sort of bureaucracy of it all. It was very 
lots of paperwork and lots of lines and red tape and that kind of thing. Um, and I came to the end of the year and I failed the practical exam because I was just really blunt with someone. I just, I am. Uh, that's how I speak to mm. people. And um, so I decided it wasn't the right thing and, and I wasn't going to put myself through seven years of education and get to the end and still not want to do it. It was obvious. So I changed course onto sports science. So I've got an undergraduate degree in sports science. And on my second to last year, I had a six-week placement module as part of that course. I was supposed to go do some work in a lab and it fell through at the last minute. So with my university, I took a random placement at Plastering Firm, the local business who'd put their name down just in case any students wanted to try. I turned up and they said, oh, you can make cups of tea. Uh, you can do a bit of filing for a few weeks. We'll sign you off. It'll be really easy hours. You'll pass. It's fine. No, don't worry about it. And I hope you enjoy it while you're here. Still here eight and a half years later. So it just really, I clicked with it. You know, I, I was doing the paperwork and they said, oh, do you want to try a bit of takeoff? Do you want to look at the software? Do you want to go out on a site? And I thought, why not while I'm here? And I loved it. So a happy accident is what I always say. But uh, thank goodness I did. <laughs> yeah, but crikey, lots of, uh, lots of, lots of actually probably transferable skills that you yeah. that you've learned and one of the things I find with surveyors of all you know I say particularly residential but of all kinds is you do need that level of maturity or that level of life experience um you know sort of knowing your own strengths weaknesses resilience you know the what makes you tick you know so that you can deal with with people and if you know that your way is blunt well let's put that to good use Sinead <laughs> you know off you go <laughs> <laughs> no my personality I'm a, I can be a bit bullshy I can be a bit uh, like say blunt direct and I think as a woman in the construction industry that's the kind of personality that fits that's what you've got to be um, certainly in my sort of part of the industry so it, I get on with it really well um, and I dread to think what it'd be like working in maybe a bigger business or for a council or something where you again paperwork and things I've just found my little area that suits me and I love it so you you know did your time studying doing your degree and then what how did you then get get qualified because are you right you did a, an apprenticeship route yes I did so I worked here part-time whilst I finished my full-time undergraduate degree I wasn't science very, one, yeah, yeah yeah I thought I might as well finish that I was half over halfway through and then because I'd secured a job and was moving into an area that was completely different I was able to move on to an apprenticeship so usually you're not really supposed to get funding for doing multiple undergraduate degrees so I thought I'd have to maybe go down the master's route which didn't exist as an apprenticeship at the time but luckily because it was a complete change of direction and I was in employment they agreed that I could proceed through the apprenticeship so I spent five years started at Leeds College of Building so building college with all the 16 year olds uh, for three years, doing a HNC, HND, and an NVQ level five, which is called the higher apprenticeship. And then I did a two year degree top up, which finished with my um, APC in November last year. So I've only really been qualified a year now. Now, that kind of route would really put a lot of people off. There's, yeah, on the, on the, on the, on the yeah. other hand, it's a, yeah. it's a way to actually get qualified while you're working. Yeah, so I know for a lot of people, the whole university experience thing, they want to go out, they want to get that independence, they want to go out drinking, partying, societies. But for me, 
being in employment meant that I was earning a wage straight away, even though I was studying. So that meant that I could go out and spend money on things that I wanted, to, whether that was doing activities, going out with, you know, meals, drinks. We bought a house two years into my apprenticeship. Um, I got married just at the end of my apprenticeship. You know, I had enough money to do those things and I wasn't getting into debt. Student loan wasn't wasn't needed for it. So I thought the benefits of that outweighed any sort of mm. two years of partying that you might get at uni as a full-time undergrad. Mm. So what happens within a with an apprenticeship apprenticeship but then is so it's a, a specified QS program modules and things you need to do do you have to get assessors counselors that kind of thing how does that work So yeah so the the HNC HND part of it was a more general sort of construction of the built environment was what the title of it was and that sort of equates to the first year and a bit of university for a full-time undergraduate student and then the rest of the studying was all quantity surveying specific so I came out with an undergraduate degree in quantity surveying and then because uh, when you're an apprentice you have to have what they call an endpoint assessment before you step off the apprenticeship so it's an assessment of your professional and practical skills rather than your academic assessment so it's like a secondary assessment on top of your uh, degree or your HNC or whatever you've been doing um, is that you have to do some form of practical assessment and for quantity surveying degree apprenticeship that's the RICS APC so the last 18 months of my degree course I was also uh, preparing for the APC under the 24 month route and that's just like doing the APC under the 24 month route for anyone it's the same process so I had to get a counsellor which was very stressful because nobody else in my business has done the APC before. So I had to get an external counsellor who was fantastic, thank goodness. And then I had to go out and network and find people to uh, help me through the process and uh, put the names to my submission and everything because I didn't know anybody that was chartered. Um, uh, all while doing my dissertation with the university, finishing my degree and working full time. So it is, it's a lot as an apprenticeship, especially when you come to the last... 18 months to two years of your apprenticeship it's there's a lot going on but I just saw it as an opportunity to really develop my sort of time management my coping skills it's sort of been like in a really stressful project at work so I I quite enjoyed it in a really weird way and and then to pass first time straight away within a few months of doing my uh, finishing my degree was I was really proud of that yeah and you should be and I and I think people you know, anyone who sort of studies part time while they're working or for me, that just shows a lot of resilience and a lot of commitment to. I, bet, I mean, are you still studying now or you've got all this time free? Um, <laughs> I had a break for a year and I've actually just started my master's. So I uh, I missed it too much. I had too much spare time. thought I better fill it with something. So, yeah, I've moved on to a master's now. But uh, that's not an apprenticeship. So that's just academic. It's fine. Yeah. So you said you had to reach out to, you know, find counsellors, assessors and that kind of thing. Yeah. How did you go about that if you didn't know anyone? How did you get started? Well, I went to my university first who were absolutely no help whatsoever really politely put it <laughs> they um when they sign you up to these courses they say don't worry we'll support you through it we'll make sure you've got everything you need if you've got any troubles come along let us know we'll do our best to help you um and I sent an email and said I'm really struggling because I don't know anybody 
anybody that's chartered, I don't know where to go to find someone who'd be willing to be a counsellor. Can you point me in the right direction? Do you know of any information or how I'll go about it? And they just turned around and said, no, that's yours and your employer's responsibility as part of the apprenticeship. If you can't do it, you have to come off the course, essentially. So I, when I was in my very first year of my HNC, I actually sat on the matrix leads committee as a student member for a year. And I reached out to one of the people who I knew had been on that committee and who'd been quite helpful then. And I just said, help, please help. And she said, best thing you can do, LinkedIn post, put it out there. I'll share it. I'll get some colleagues to share it. Um, I'm not in QS and I think she was um, a building surveyor actually. But I know some colleagues that are, and it just sort of went around LinkedIn. You feel like you're begging, really, don't you, in mm. those situations? You do feel really that I don't like to go out asking for help, really. I'm quite an independent person, so it's quite a hard thing to do. But I'm glad I did because the people that I've met through having to go and do that have been fantastic. And I would like to say that now I could sort of rely on them throughout my career. Um, they're really good contacts. Had you been on LinkedIn much before or? I was on there because I had to be on there for one of my undergraduate degree modules at my first degree. I think that was year one or something. So you can imagine how out of date it was. So I had to go through, I had to start liking people's posts a little bit, you know, connecting with people. I think I watched a YouTube video on like how to make your LinkedIn profile really good and read some articles and things because it's not really something they teach you at school or at college and university. Those skills aren't really covered, I don't think, anyway. I've been fortunate, actually, in the last few years to mentor a few students, and it's one of the things that I say straight away is, get on LinkedIn, I'll share your things, you share my things, you can have my network as a as sort of a starting point. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really helpful for young people coming into the industry. I think it's really important for all surveyors actually to be on on something like that because you never know when you might need a job you never know when things might might change and the the way we network and connect now is just so different you know to going back to the office or you know lots of regional meetings and and things like that it is just really different and and I agree for for students and and new people into a sector just get a really nice basic profile you can find it on uh, you know videos on youtube it doesn't have to be fancy i think lionheart uh, i'll put a link in the show notes but lionheart have some training in their webinar library you know and i've and i've run challenges and things like that before on on getting your linkedin profile set up maybe i'll do one in the new year and um but just having something basic set up is the the first thing and you don't have to post you know if you're not confident enough to do that we overthink things totally when we post but the best thing you can do is comment you know Mm -hmm. if you're looking for other qs's or other building surveyors or resi surveyors you know find them see what they're sharing and comment and it just starts with a thanks for that or oh that's interesting or i've never seen one of them before and you know and gradually you build up that confidence the sooner you can do that Mm -hmm. then it becomes a lot easier then to say actually i could do with a bit of help you've built up a bit of relationship and and rapport yeah I think there's the other side to LinkedIn though that you have to be careful of and I've certainly fallen into the trap of it sometimes is that you can end up feeling very behind almost you know you see everyone um, and it's the same thing with any social media really isn't it it's this 
glitzy, glamorous, perfect career picture that everyone puts out there. And you see these people that are, com are posting every day, big, long uh, paragraphs, really informative posts. And you're thinking, gosh, my profile's just, I'm just reposting other people's stuff. I'm just commenting on stuff. And I think a few months ago, I really felt quite stressed out by it almost, trying to keep up with everyone on there, trying to keep up on on making relevant posts on being present and then I found out that one of the people had actually they pay someone to post those yeah, they things do. for them yeah they do I it's the same that. with um uh, you know so there's some of these people who write in art articles in a lot of the magazines or trade press they have copywriters yeah. a lot of these big firms to to do it you know yeah. or they get somebody in their department to to do it or these days it's chat gpt you know which yeah. seems to be the answer to 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 all sorts mm. Yeah, so I'd been putting all this thought and time into anything that I put on there and then realised that it really most of it's just garbage, really, isn't it? It is, it is. And, you know, it's people think they need to track their number of impressions and followers and views and all of those different things and likes. Mm. But really, you've got to view it as a tool. Mm. You know, it's just like putting your CV out there and mm -hmm. it's just a, a profile. It just needs to tell people a little bit about you. And if you're posting anything or commenting on anything, it just needs to be helpful. It needs to be relatable and it needs to show some, some kind of emotion. And that emotion doesn't have to be your X Factor story of what happened to you when you were five, <laughs> you know, but it's it's just showing that, you, you know, that you're a human being at the end of the day and, and you engage mm -hmm. with people. Um, but you have to work up to that. You know, I remember the first time I used to, you know, it was only like what six years ago that I started using uh, LinkedIn when I left my corporate job and that was scary you know and sometimes I've used it lots sometimes not I absolutely get comparisonitis yeah they're, with everyone else of you know people have got businesses doing different things or when they're asked to be involved in things and I'm not or you know and you just sort of scroll through and it just becomes an absolute mess <laughs> to, to look at it and you you hate it and then you think oh why do I do all of this and it gets a bit dramatic but it's all about perspective it's a tool it's putting some boundaries and if you approach it as a I'm using this for business or I'm using this to find a position or whatever and it's just using it for for what it is but it is it is hard to get that perspective but you do a lot more on, on social media don't you yeah not just LinkedIn no it's um, a bit more about that uh, so I think it was about uh, early this year that I started on TikTok and Instagram sharing my career, a bit of jokey content as well, but mostly what the role of a quantity surveyor is and information on apprenticeships, information on starting out in the construction industry, professions, that kind of thing. Inspired by yourself, actually. <laughs> Which is really funny. <laughs> because I... Cause I... I started to do some TikTok videos and things, mm. mainly to let off steam because I was quite frustrated. Um, I was just coming off governing council and, you know, all the different stuff that were happening in, in my sector. And I, mm -hmm. I do that and I thought, nobody on there will look at me, so it's fine. And then I copied a few of the videos over to LinkedIn and then it went a bit crazy, you know. Yeah. And I and I approach it with a, you know, just have a bit of fun with it. But then I haven't, I actually haven't done it for quite some time. I've taken a good yeah. break from it, you know, to get a perspective. But I dread to think <laughs> what I've inspired you. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a lot, you know, you try and think, oh, I'll do one post a week. And it, it actually takes a long time to prepare 
a good post. The jokier ones are a bit easier because you sort of just do them. But yeah, and the the more sort of in depth career information posts are, are a lot really. But no, I started sort of watching your content that you were doing, and I saw a few um legal apprentices doing content. And I thought, oh, I wonder if anyone does QSing on there. And I just couldn't find a thing, really. No, there's nothing. Um, and what I did find was very, very dry. Very, I think there's some people that do some like technical reports and stuff on videos. And, and it's just not really aimed at younger people. That's where I wanted to aim my content. Uh, so I started doing silly dances. I think my first one was maybe ABBA or something like that. <laughs> just dancing around, singing along. And it, it's just taken off, really. You know, some of my videos get upwards of 50,000 views. A lot of interaction from young people who then feel that they can reach out because I'm quite, I guess, approachable online. Asking questions about what A-levels are good to do. Um, how to find an apprenticeship, what kind of skills they'd need, maybe going in, how to write a CV the right way to apply for an apprenticeship, all those kind of things that I think sometimes are missed again, you know, those sort of soft skills, those career skills that school doesn't teach you. And they're going to social media to find that. I saw someone call it edutainment the other day, which I quite liked. Yeah, um, yeah. And so like, Gen, Gen Z, I think it is, is a stat like they're spending five hours a week consuming careers content online. So young people aren't, they're not going to Google anymore. No, this is it. And they're, they're not really going on LinkedIn because they're not, they're not there no, yet. It's not and, appropriate that. And this is it. You've, with any kind of social media or any kind of marketing, you've got to understand who you're talking to, who mm -hmm. the content is aimed at, you know, what what's the, the purpose. Otherwise, it's just... You know, it's just a hobby. And and for me, yeah, it's just letting off a bit of steam sometimes. Mostly it's me saying to myself, I'm still a surveyor, even yeah. though I'm not practicing in the same way as some people do. You know, I'm yeah. I'm hanging on in the in the game. But I do find I get low like you, not as many as you probably with your forever, you know, tons and tons of uh, followers. But I do get people asking, you know, how do you get started? Yeah. What happens? Questions, etc. And I just signpost, signpost, signpost all the time. And mm -hmm. it's really nice to be able to uh, to help people in that way. And and I do think there's huge opportunities that are missed if there's just a handful of us as surveyors doing mm -hmm. this or talking about this. Got to go to where they're at now. Conveniently, they're all in school. So it's good to be able to herd them in one place and go and visit them in a in a school. But we don't always take stuff in at school. And if your teacher and your parent or whoever is telling you whatever, you want to you want to you know see some reality to it, or just see the the fun side of it. And yeah. and that's the bit that I get back from from people is that you know just sort of the the laughing at the the things that we do whereas you're yeah. sort of a bit more specific in terms of okay well this is how you get started you know and and yes it is it, I think you're really cool in the stuff that you do oh thank you <laughs> not many people tell me that anymore I'm 30 next year and I'm losing <laughs> that <laughs> I'm losing that try, cool badge now but <laughs> try being a bit older than that <laughs> I just I really enjoy doing it and like you say it is a bit of um when you have a serious job I'm gonna say a, a serious job Sometimes it's nice just to do something that is a little bit more playful, shall you say, a little bit more youthful, keeps my brain active because you have to keep thinking of what's the next thing I can do? How can I make that trend or song fit some sort of content in my area? That kind of thing. 
and and you're absolutely right we do we do serious work we do important dangerous work sometimes that has a real impact on people's lives you know and certain it sometimes it can be quite a physical job you know demanding jobs and we've got to see the lighter side of it because there's a reason why we we do it and it's that human side of it so and that's why I don't know how I got into doing more of the some of the funny stuff you just hear some of the voiceovers or you hear a tune and you're right you know you you get to a point of oh how can I make that work or what you'll get what I do now is I'll hear something and instantly yeah like like I'll I'll be honest with you now right so we're sat here recording this on on zoom I on my chair I've got a sparkly jacket because later I'm going to do a Michael Jackson one. Oh, nice. <laughs> and I've been thinking about this for ages. <laughs> I'm hoping it's not going to be rubbish, but it's just just going to give it a go. I did an Elvis one, you know, I've done yeah. Billy Ocean was quite a popular one. You know, and you yeah. just think, uh, you just start to chew, tune into it and you start to see see patterns. And I just do it for a for a bit of fun. And if it lightens up someone's day, or helps mm-hmm. helps bridge that gap and make some of it relatable. Yeah, definitely. And then there's no harm in it. And and there's you know, there is a lot of judgy people out there over don't post personal things on LinkedIn, oh, for goodness sake, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter. So I was about to ask you if you found that the people, other professionals have judged you for it a little bit, because I've come across that in terms of not my my employer loves it. I mean, you can't like there's a massive logo behind my head in most of the videos yeah they can't complain and they support me doing it so that's fine but I have had a few comments from shall we say older more established professionals saying oh you need to be careful what you're putting online it might destroy your professional reputation being uh, visible and sort of jokey visible at the end of the day I think those kind of people are the people I would never want to work with anyway oh absolutely and yeah, so you've 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 got people out there who are just of a different generation, and that, that's yeah. not necessarily age either, you know, but just a different generation, a different way of uh, of being in the world, and they don't think it's right, you know. Yeah. It's it's a bit like eating your dinner with your elbows on the table, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> all sitting down around the dinner table. We just that things are are different now, but I always come back to. Has this post or this content helped somebody? Has it helped mm-hmm. me, you know, to to share something or, you know, I mean, f- for me, I find I speak out on different subjects just because I can, because yeah. I'm a bit, bit independent. And I think some of these things are in, important and that does land me in hot water because some people don't don't like it. And and it's interesting. So even things like the surveyor hub, you know, there are some firms out there who tell their surveyors you must not post anything in there, you know? And it's it's like, yeah, but they're all hanging in there or they're messaging me or they're posting anonymously because they need support, yeah. you know? And, and it's like you're a human or you're a surveyor first mm. rather than a... I mean, of course, you're not going to share addresses and, yeah, and, you know, things like that. They sort of miss the whole community part of it. But you, but you do get people who are very judgy and I wonder, would we get that if we were men? I don't know, but I'm doing it to show that it can be done. And literally, if I can do it, and I've inspired yeah. someone like you to do it, and you're doing really well on it, then there's a market there for for others, you know, and yeah. and it's working. But it is it is hard when you get you get criticism, and I think 
when you get blatant criticism on your posts, you get to a point where you can manage it or you can respond constructively yeah. or you'll get other people jump to your defense and yeah. and comment. And then you can decide whether you take it down, whether you delete comments and things. And none of that is nice, but you know, you, you follow it through. What mm-hmm. is harder is when you hear of other people or other professionals talk about you. Mm-hmm. And and I and I come across that and that is quite hard, you know, but you've got to be mindful of your people pleasing, just like the likes and follows and, and things of, well, if you're helping the people that are asking you for what do I do with my A-levels or if I'm helping people who are genuinely stuck and don't know what to do about how to report something to regulation, then then it's been worth it and putting yourself putting yourself out there. So it's all got to be about what's the purpose of it. Yeah. You know, and, and, and managing your own your own boundaries and your own mental health from it. So, you know, as I say with with TikTok, I it it wasn't that I had a um a problem with it. I what I did is I took the TikTok off my app, uh, sorry, off my phone. I took WhatsApp and all sorts of things off my phone. Mm-hmm. But that meant I say I lost all my drafts. So oh, I used no. to, Yeah. So so for anyone listening, when you're recording reels on Instagram or um uh, videos on TikTok what you do is you you find a tune or something that you like and you might in the moment create it, but you'll save it for a day when you don't feel like doing anything and, yeah. and post it then. But mm-hmm. if you take the app off, you lose them. And I lost like over a hundred or something like that. Oh, wow. and, and then I just I just couldn't muster up the enthusiasm to do anymore. And it's been a difficult year for for me, family wise, with very sort of different things. And I just didn't feel the enthusiasm to go and go and do it because I didn't have that bank to to rely on so you've got yep. to think strategically about it you know uh-huh. about, about why you do it and, and how you do it um, yep. but never let anything anyone put you off at the end of the day we're we're doing it voluntarily you know I'm not paid to do any of it I don't think you're no, paid to do any of it and if you don't feel like you can do it at that point in your life or that point in time or that day then don't do it you know that's that's what you have to remind yourself, isn't it? But part of me kind of, um, and I don't know if it's something that you'll have experienced, but because I'm in construction on TikTok, I get a lot of mainly men or anonymous commenters being quite sexist. I've had people say, oh, worst thing they ever did, like women on construction sites. I've had really gross comments, to be honest. And part of me really, really likes being really nice to those people. <laughs> have you ever done that to people yeah, oh, kill, kill them with kindness so mm. um no so so I've had worst treatment on LinkedIn yeah uh, by professionals I know but I'm not I'm not young <laughs> like you anymore so nobody's doing that to me on uh, on TikTok but also my surveyors you know my residential surveyors aren't on TikTok but on construction it's wider so you've got a bigger audience if you yeah you, you know um uh, in that sense and that's something that you've that you've got to manage you know mm-hmm. of how much is too much and what do you put off and and a lot of the time we don't always use the filters to block people to protect ourselves you know there's lots of things that you you can do the other thing that I think people don't realize is that you can repurpose all of your content yeah so uh, as we're recording this it's December <clears throat> I haven't got many videos and things out there that I've done lately but last year I I've got posts going out tomorrow and last year 
I recorded a really small video. Uh, my my daughter was asking for a house for Christmas. Oh, bless her. <laughs> and I realised it was because there was a new build development we drive past uh, when we go to the shops and it's got like a big bow on it. And she's oh. like, oh, I want a new house. And so I just did this like little video zooming in. And that was from last year. And I'm yeah. reposting it and, and using it again this year. You know, yeah. Now people are, you know, when this goes out in the new year, it'll it'll have gone. But you can repurpose stuff. You know, you don't yeah. have to be on there all the time. And and that's the thing that I found. So probably about eight months, I've actually not done an awful, awful lot. But mm. it doesn't really look or feel like that. Or the, or the, my audience, my surveyors might not have noticed so much because there's enough of it out there or I'm just teasing it through. And, and so we don't yeah. have to be switched onto social media all the time. We've just got to be smart about it. Yeah. Takes a lot of planning, though. It does take a lot of planning that side of things. It you know, does. It, sure. it does. Yeah, and that's why um, um, some of the, the mastermind that I have with uh, small businesses. That's one of the things we look at. Is you know how do you plan your content? What you're going to talk about? What, what you're going to focus on for that quarter? So to, to give it some focus, because it's really easy to get distracted. Yeah, like me before I go and pick the kids up, I'm going to do a Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> TikTok for some random reason, just to to, to let off a, a bit of, a bit of steam. Can I ask you about you sort of mentioned um, uh, construction and uh, some of the experiences mm-hmm. that you that you've had? Do you see a difference between surveying and construction when it comes to diversity? Uh, yes, definitely. Obviously, you have you've seen the women in surveying report from the RICS. Report. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think construction, although it's not one of the worst, I think it's something like mineral surveyor is possibly the worst one. I actually met a female mineral surveying apprentice the other day and I was like, "Woo, rocking hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think USN is sort of, it's nearer the top than a lot of them are. And a lot of us in construction, you know, I, I didn't see another woman on site at all, no matter another female QS, another woman for the first three and a half years of my working life. And which is just crazy. Yeah. It can be very difficult. And I think it's something that a lot of uh, other different types of surveyors maybe might not, even other quantity surveyors who work with consultants and that kind of thing won't have those those kind of experiences. You know, we still don't have a toilet all of the time you know you might go to a site and they just don't have a woman's toilet or it's locked you know one knows where the key is or it's been used as a storage cupboard and those are things that in many workplaces that's that's just guaranteed now isn't it it's it it still can be quite old-fashioned in that respect whereas when I've been to RICS events matrix events that kind of thing um, it does seem to be a better balance. Not always. I went to a matrix event in Leeds uh, earlier this year and there were only three out of maybe 40 people, three women, which is quite sad, really. But the majority of them seem to be a lot better distributed, which is nice to see. It, yeah, it's interesting. The mm. whole um, women in surveying or women in whatever sector uh, journey as I've you know, come to my the other end of the 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 career my career to you is is just learning about women and how we're all diverse we all want different things we all have absolutely different attitudes as to the kind of support we need at different yeah. types of our times of our lives which doesn't ha- <laughs> it doesn't help there yeah. is no one size fits all 
anywhere. And Mm. so the approach, in my view, needs to be approach it diversely, consistently, means Mm. that you've got a range of things available for people as and when they need it. And, you know, I'd like to think within the surveying sector, we're confident and empowered enough to to know when we need help and to reach out and we've got some great male allies and and things like that out there but there's too much fighting I suppose over what it should look like whether it's a panel whether it's a forum whether it's a a women only group or not a women only group whether it's a this that and the other it doesn't really matter if it if there's something that helps somebody at a point of need yeah what is the harm yeah yeah and even had that um, event that I spoke at last week which was a regional event for the RICS and it was titled women in surveying or something like that and there were three speakers and I started to speak about my experiences working on construction sites in the construction industry and how it's still quite outdated the the whole banter issue that we have the lads banter which is not comfortable even for many men let alone women in those environments and I got heckled by some younger women from the back who said well we don't want to be made out to be different we don't want to go on a construction site and and people to think oh we can't swear they can't give us banter we want to be included in that and that's just one example of where different people want different things because you know I'm I'm one of those I don't mind going on and having a bit of a joke but I also don't want someone to joke about my tits you know like yeah yeah bluntly as that there we go there's me being blunt um I don't want that but it's true But it's true. And I think the other thing that that we have to recognise, and I think we have to recognise it as women before men can help us and we get into allyship and all of that, is that there needs to be an element of respect. Yeah. Because the women that went before us broke patterns, changed things, made a difference. And we can't forget that because it can so easily slip back because it's, it's not a proper learned habit it's not you know it's not a paradigm shift and all of those things and yeah. so we've got to have a bit of respect that uh and find a way of of talking and it's like um you know I've got um you know a couple of friends and, and when we you know if they sort of talk about maternity leave for example you know yeah. one of them will always say oh two weeks after having a baby I was back on site lifting manhole covers and this that and the other mm-hmm. and part of me thinks oh that's harsh I couldn't walk I was waddling couldn't walk after that uh, after six weeks two weeks back at work then on the other hand it's you know well she didn't have any choice for a lot of women back then when they had their 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 kids they weren't supported unless you had a a partner or husband that that would support you a lot of women had to leave their jobs when they got married or had had children and that's in our our lifetime and you know we can you know women are still you know uh, remember all of this but on the one hand it's a well let's have a bit of respect and and grateful for the women that changed it now that we do have you know some form of better maternity leave and, and pay because they never used to be but on the other hand you know there's sometimes a bit of resentment of well I did it back two weeks going back to work like <laughs> why can't you and so yeah. there's that there's got to be a bit of that respect a bit of that understanding and and appreciation and wouldn't it be great to go on site and not worry about someone talking about your body parts or being able to use, you know, a toilet or wouldn't that just be great, you know? Yeah. It's something I'm quite conscious of because I have been asked a few times now to speak at events and 
I'm always a little bit self-conscious of uh, speaking as a woman in surveying or woman in construction, knowing that there are women who've done it for a lot longer than me, who've had a lot worse experiences than me because of the way that the laws have changed since they were in the workplace and I've come into the workplace, that kind of thing. And sometimes I think sort of pushing, I mean, you know, I've done a little bit of research work, I'm still doing a little bit of research work, and sometimes you can feel bit of a fraud almost as a, as a young less experienced shall we say less experienced woman in the industry because you think oh there's other people that really ought to be speaking on this and not me but then diversity is a good thing and I think having some of the more experienced older voice and some younger voice is a good balance and I've really enjoyed most the events where the the people with many many years of experience have been able to compare their experience with me and we can sort of work together and discuss together rather than it being oh well I put up with it so you have to so why why do we want to block progress other women I know it's it, it's the worst isn't it yeah. you know yeah. one of the things that I, I hear what you're saying on the one hand part of me thinks you I remember you said to me or you uh, on in a message on a group or something that we were on and we're talking about role models and hearing women tell, stand up and tell their, share their career journeys. Yeah. And I'm at a point in my career, and you said that was a good, a good thing. I'd learned from that. And I remember thinking, or I might have even said, I can't remember, I cannot be asked with that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so, for me, you know, 20 odd years older than you, whatever, it's, there's so many women standing up sharing their journey. And it's like, do you know how often I've heard that all my career? Here's my yeah. career journey. I've never had a problem with with men, da, 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 all of those things, you know. And so on the one hand, I don't want to hear it. On the other hand, I've you've inspired me and I've learned from you that, yeah, but it's not about me now. No. There are other women who need to, you know, it's thinking mm-hmm. about the future generations and, yeah. and what we what we can share from that. What I find quite disappointing is, I suppose, the more mature women who don't want to get involved or I've actually got involved and got really disheartened you know so for example there was a big campaign I remember a number of years ago with our ICS called raising the ratio mm-hmm. you know and nobody knows what happened to it why it stopped it sounded like a good idea you know and every now every few years it seems we start to reinvent the wheel on diversity on women on and you just think well if we stopped if we continue the momentum, we might get somewhere rather than this stop and start. But I see so many women who just get really disheartened. And that's a a lesson, I think, for younger women and younger surveyors coming through. But also I have to catch myself because sometimes I get so fed up with the way that, you know, women are not represented, they're not thought of. And this isn't just, you know, about getting more women into the the industry or into the, into the profession. This is having women in positions where they can make a difference to our standards, to our regulations, to the way that yeah. we we work. You know, it's the the more significant uh, uh, impact. It's almost like the the next layer, if you like, from you know what people say to you on construction sites. I think we're we're sort of a head head in some ways. Yeah, but we've 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 got to keep on pushing that pushing that forward but I get so burnt out by it and I think to myself well I'm now oh god when did I so nearly 20, next year 20 years I'll have been a surveyor yeah you know and probably for the last four years every year I've thought do I need to be an RICS member anymore 
do mm. should I do this anymore and yet yeah. it, you know the average length of membership for women is 16 years and if I leave then I just become another statistic and I sort of catch myself you know and have to g myself yeah. up again but it is for a lot of us it's it's hard you know yeah I was just talking about that actually at that event because I think it's it's almost easy to do the early years engagement, isn't it? You know, that's the at the easy end of the market. That doesn't cost money, really. It costs you a few hours of time or it costs you a staff member for a day or some slides or a work experience placement. It's easy and everyone loves the photos that come out of it. You know, young people on a construction site. It's good for PR. It's fantastic. But what's the point of promoting the industry and saying to young women, yes, it's fine, come in, come join, when further down the line, they're going to find that they can't work flexibly or part-time after they've had a family or they've got care requirements of older relatives. They can't climb the career ladder because they're not invited to those golf days, which are the events when you get to speak to the directors or management. You know, like those kind of things are still happening and there's not a lot that goes on really to change those, the leaky tap issue further down the line. But I hear what you're saying about being burnt out because I've only really been like publicly involved I'd say for the last 18 months and even I've got to the point sometimes where I'm like oh why do I do why why do I bother you know you hit a brick wall time and time again but if everyone gave up then nothing would ever get done it can be it a heavy is, burden it, it it is and it's one that we we've all got to share to move to move forward but the things that the things that kept, have kept me going are the messages not the yeah. dodgy ones, but the <laughs> or the funny ones, but the you know the uh, the the messages from somebody that just says thank you so much for sharing that that yeah. made a difference, yeah you know or you know someone that comes along and says that Marion that thing that you said five years ago, and I think shit what did I say? <laughs> <laughs> you have those <laughs> moments, any state you? of mind <laughs> then, you know. But it's those things that. That's showing you've got to you've really got to whatever you're doing to make an impact and make a difference you've got to keep on looking at well you know noticing the signs that you're mm-hmm. making a, a difference and then I think that's why you know with the the women in surveying work want of a better description that I do it's more about showing what is possible mm-hmm. you know a lot of people don't like the word empowerment you know it's not about making people strong but it's helping you believe that you can yeah you know and even if it just helps one other person mm-hmm. and it's worth it you know and some of my my most favorite get togethers or zoom onlines or whatever have been when there's just two or three of us it doesn't yeah. have to be a sold out event you know mm-hmm. and but if it's not then it's looked at as a failure it's like no it's it's not it's and then I suppose this is where the traditional model of what a women's group does or doesn't look like or a panel mm-hmm. or a forum or you know however we're tackling diversity is it's never going to be right because we're all different so if you start yeah. with that with that point you know then you then you move you move forward and I think there's just so much that we need to learn not just about women but about surveyors across the the whole piece that it's, it's almost sort of arrogant I think to assume well we've got a plan and this is what we'll do well actually mm-hmm. the plan should be we're working on it we're working yeah. on it this is what we know now we're tweaking it this is what we're going to do next let's keep it going yeah and and even as an individual what you need from a group or from a a program changes on a day-to-day basis you know some days I need 
to speak to someone who's older who's been there who can say well the in my opinion the best steps would be this or I wouldn't go down that route to have maybe looked what's the benefit for you and, and set it out in a professional way and sometimes I need someone who's more of a friend just to whinge to yeah you yeah. know you can't even individually we don't need the same thing all the time if you look at the your career span you know early earlier career people need a lot of different support to when you get to the family age when you get to the caring friendly parents age when you get to the well I'm finishing career what happens age that it is continuously changing and you can't set in stone what people need every day just by creating some sort of fancy policy and and trying to carry on with it, which I think but is where I, a but lot I suppose of policies, rules, guidance, they create some certainty and a sense of direction for people. And something to hold people to account on as well. That's the main benefit of those kind of things is that you can turn around and go, well, uh uh-uh, uh, here, it says this and you didn't do it. And that's why I like the research. You know, you've, you're providing a piece of data that shows something is happening that can't be disputed unless they do another piece of research that finds more data, which is good because then you're doing more work in that, uh, you know, and those kind of things, I think they, they're the things that make the big items of change, but it doesn't always have to be a big change, does it? You know, sometimes it's just one person, one person level change. And I think that's been some of the most satisfying work that I've done as where I've seen one person's reached out or asked a question and I've really seen my contribution help them in some way and that gives me huge satisfaction probably more satisfaction than I get from actually doing work and I totally get it yeah totally get it just it just it just makes you come alive yeah no why what and I I think that's why I do surveying or my my version (laughs) yeah was it like Taylor Taylor Swift's version of someone says Marion's (laughs) version of surveying um can I ask you about um Nowick, because I've been really yeah. impressed by what you and the the girls of and ladies have have done there with with your with your group. Tell us a bit about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so Nowick National Association of Women in Construction. I'm co-chair of the Yorkshire region. I haven't actually been co-chair for very long. I stepped up towards the back end of the summer, which has been actually a really nice change because I I went from being in a role uh, I was organising an early years engagement program we do called School to Site, which is where we organise a site visit for young people, predominantly women, but we're not, we don't exclude if, if there is a young man or, or anyone who wants to join can join, essentially. Take them on construction site. They do a guided tour and meet different, different roles all the way around. So that's professional and trade roles. Get to speak to them about their job and then come back and do a fun workshop and a quiz and stuff. So I went from organising those events to... Uh, being more of a background role which has been really nice because sometimes and I'm sure you you feel the same your face is everywhere isn't it you're always out there and sometimes it's it's nice to have a bit more of a back seat and be able to push other people forwards to to do those things but other than the school to site program we also have a network of uh, women working in construction in our area um, we've done networking events, um, formal, sort of more formal ones and then informal ones. Uh, we do mentoring. We're getting involved with a few of the local universities now um, and Leeds College of Building, which is nice. And then we also have a sort of a campaign side. So at the moment, you've probably seen a lot of posts around the PPE, yeah. properly fitting PPE for women, <clears throat> which is still a huge issue. Would you believe 
in this day and age it is and it's and it's interesting just going back to what we were you know what we were talking about before so when I did the women in surveying summit six years ago one of the things that came out of that we started using this hashtag PPE that fits you know because one of the ladies talked about how she's using gaffer tape to tape up her trouser legs you know when she was going up and down towers and and whatnot and that was like six years ago you know on on the one hand it's like well we have been talking about this you're not doing anything new love but then equally it's like no you've got the enthusiasm and the momentum and let's go for it but at what point within that six years did we lose do you see what I mean sort of lose that momentum and it's like we've all got to get on board and to really push and because it's not acceptable and and PPE that doesn't fit is not a female only issue it's an everybody issue and we get that a lot we get a lot of men saying well I don't have PPE that fits me bloody go and sort it out then go and get some (laughs) it's it's a safety risk you know if you're working a construction site and your high vis is too big and it gets trapped on a piece of scaffold or in some machinery you could be dead you know that's the severity of that issue and it's not a gender specific thing at all um and I think that's where Katie Robinson who's our campaign lead on that she's done a really nice job of and it it's not just construction industry as well you know it's every industry so she's really made it quite a broad I mean I don't know how she has the time to do it it's very impressive all the work that she's put in and the different frameworks that she's getting involved with but she seems to be really really getting some changes now in policy so there's different sort of like quality schemes in in the construction industry where you can sign up and you meet certain requirements and and that puts you forward for various clients or you have a little badge that you can say I'm accredited to whatever and they've all started now to change their provision to say no it's now a, a requirement that you have to prove that you're providing properly fitting PPE for everyone so I'm so proud of where where Katie's gone with it really yeah, I mean it's, I it's think... been honestly to be, from a distance looking at it yeah it's been yeah. great and I think that just goes to show how you can have an idea you can be passionate about something but you've got to have the campaign the strategy the the plan but also yeah. you know none of it happens without teamwork no you know and some of us are good at teams and some of us are not and sometimes it's a lot easier to do things locally than than nationally but yeah. you just need to start we just need to start coming together yeah to to just talk about it you know and just to move things forward and and that and I think that's the that's the roles that membership bodies and regulatory bodies and you know all the different organizations out there you know have an opportunity to pull all that together yeah or, or be, support you know it can be difficult well now it's a funny one because um at the moment on a national level they don't have a chair so the national sort of organisational side of things isn't really there at the moment. So you'll find regions are doing different things. So London region, for example, are doing very different events to what Yorkshire are doing. Up here in the north, actually, I think Yorkshire northeast and a bit northwest, the three, those three regions seem to be sharing some different ideas now, which is nice that we're getting some consistency from from there upwards. You know, it's sort of starting to collaborate on things, but it takes a national chair and a national committee to pull those campaigns and initiatives together to, to spread across on a national basis and we just don't have that at the moment but saying that there's been a lot of organizations very interested in the research that Kate has done and the work she's doing who are a lot larger than us so with their support it's been it's been fantastic and that's the kind of people that have to get involved to really create any change you don't you don't get change from one person you get change from 
huge organisations putting their name behind it and I'm very grateful for their help. And there's no reason why more people can't get in, get involved, you mm -hmm. know, and just because an organisation doesn't have a chair doesn't mean that things can't happen on the ground. And it comes back to that uh, advocating for ourselves for... I want to say self-regulation that's not not quite the, quite the word but you know but taking we're responsible for ourselves yeah you know that we that there that we we feel we can do something yeah even if it's a small amount but look at the what you've all been able to achieve as a small group together mm -hmm. you know and 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 other people can do the same yeah definitely and I think for me certainly when I see Katie's campaign taking off like that it gives me a little bit more drive to do my thing the things that you've got in the back of your head where you think oh I can't really bother to do it and you see someone really creating tidal wave really in the industry as she is at the moment it really pushes you then to put yourself out of your comfort zone to do to do the podcasts you know podcasts for me oh I feel terrified before I start I sit here and I'm shaking <laughs> Silly, really, isn't it? Because it's just like this has been fine today, and I wasn't really that nervous about about yours. But the one that I did a few months ago, I was very nervous of doing it. And you just have to think about the work that other people are doing, or that's how I motivate myself anyway. I think, well, if, if they're doing all of that, I can do a silly little podcast or a silly little webinar or a, you know, speak at an event. That but kind but of that thing. but that's the thing, isn't it? It's about that yeah. motivation, you know. And you can listen to all the rocky tunes before you start <laughs> something to to get that motivation up. But yeah. the thing that's going to give you the stamina or to make it worth it is just to know the reason why. Yeah. And definitely. if you can put yourself in a position and lots of people would have learned a lot from this podcast and, and learned what you you're all about. And, you know, we'll put links in the show notes to all the, all these different things. So it's worth it because that means it reaches other people, no matter how uncomfortable you might feel. You know, yeah. and let's face it, I'm the one, you know, we're editing this. I'm the one who's just forgotten questions and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we do a bit of fancy editing at the end, you know, mm. and but you put yourself through it because you can. Yeah. And you, the more you do it, the the easier it gets. But then it's also knowing when to stop, you know, when yeah. to take a break from the TikToks or or whatever, you know, to realign with what's important and where you're spending your time, your energy and your money, because that'll help you work out what's important for you. Yeah. And I'll hold my hands up and say that's one of my worst skills, really, is knowing when to stop. I would put myself forwards for more hours than I actually have in a week if I could. And it's been a massive learning curve for me the last year or so, working out that actually you can't do everything. You know, there is a limit on your time and there really is a limit on your well-being, I guess. I think it's quite easy to... It is. There is another way of looking at it rather than you can't do everything... Mm -hmm. You could you could do everything, yeah. But is it at what at what cost? But it's looking at well, what's the priority? Or you know, out of these range, ten things that you could do, what five would make the most impact? Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's where the strat the strategy and priorities come from. Yeah. But I suppose the other thing is that never underestimate the power of that little message to somebody, that mm -hmm. like, that thank you you know, the the ripple effect. If there's one thing that I've learned from my whole women in surveying experience over the last five or six years has been just the just knowing that there are there are there's a people out there who can help you or support you is mm -hmm. massively helpful for people. Yeah, even definitely. if they never come to you. 
so they can be inspired you know or learn from you without you mm -hmm. having to you know be fully out there as a martyr you know doing doing everything <laughs> and and I think once you get that perspective on that you know and then marry that with what what's important yeah yeah it does become it's, a lot it's easier sort of like the surveyor hub group on Facebook and the women in surveying group on Facebook it's nice just to see people are there that's one of the the biggest things and to know and something that I've had to learn to do to to know when you've got an opportunity that doesn't fit with you and rather than just say yes I'll do my best even though I don't want to do it and I'm not going to get the benefit from it to bounce it back to those other people then because for the other people it might be a really great opportunity and by doing it taking that opportunity not really benefiting not really enjoying it you're taking that opportunity from someone else so I think that's one of one of the biggest and learning curves one of the biggest things that I've sort of developed myself this year has been that just think about really do you want to do it do you have you know if if you don't have to do it and you don't want to do it then there'll be somebody else out there that will and don't feel that it's just your responsibility to say yes to things because you fit the mold that they're looking for um and I think like say when you're a, a younger woman in surveying who's gone for an apprenticeship there are not that many of us around yet because there's not been going for very long mm. so there's so many things that you could get involved in because people are like, oh we'd love to hear from that you know we'd love for you to come into our business and speak about that you've got a full-time job yeah you know there's people out there whose job is to to go in and speak about those things and help businesses with those strategies that they want to hear or whatever people that they can pay to do that you don't have to say yes to those things so I think in the last half of this year the balance has got a lot better and I've really enjoyed sort of picking out the opportunities that well I tend to go for the ones that are scary rather than the ones that I think are easy I always think oh if I do that all the time if I've done that before no I don't need to do it again I'll I'll do something else that's more challenging because I'll learn more from it and that's sort of been my test and I think it's working well at the moment and I think there's a uh, I think there's a thing there rather than worrying about making the right decisions mm -hmm. it's just do the next thing yeah do something different make a change yeah exactly and you know I I I found that you know go and do a bit of TikToks you know yeah. now I've stopped for a bit might do a few more once I got my Michael mm -hmm. Jackson one <laughs> out of the way oh my god I'm really looking forward to this yeah um... don't keep it in drafts I want to see what's going on <laughs> never to be seen yeah you know and I'm the same you know what's next you know what might yeah. I try try and try next maybe I might try doing nothing for a bit who knows yeah but it's just yeah. the next thing and, and that does take a lot of lot of pressure off Sinead it's been really good to catch up with you thank yeah, you so much I'm glad you came <laughs> yeah, you've made it really enjoyable, actually, doing a podcast. It doesn't feel formal at all. So if anyone else thinks maybe I'll do it, recommend it for me. Yeah, we just chat. It's just because I'm really lonely. So I just oh. chat to loads of, <laughs> loads of people. No, no, no. Well, do you, know, I, I, do you know what? Why do I do chats like this? I think it's – I did a couple of early podcasts where I was interviewed and I didn't enjoy the experience. Yeah. You know, and – um, when we started the podcast and it was all meant, all meant to be talking about serious stuff and then the pandemic hit and I just realized that people just needed a bit of lightheartedness and and I needed that you know going through the pandemic uh, and everything as well so it became just about about conversation 
you know, mm-hmm. that, you, that you might have with somebody. But then for a lot of people, you know, it's not proper enough. But then they're not listening either. Proper? So, you know, they can bugger yeah. off. Exactly. <laughs> Doesn't Not everything needs to be serious all the time. And Michael Jackson dances are definitely in that category. Oh, I didn't say anything about dancing. Does anyone oh, dancing? <laughs> how can it be Michael Jackson without some dancing? Can you not mean what? <laughs> oh, Sinead, lovely to talk to you. We'll catch up again soon. Yes, lovely talking to you. Thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and maybe we'll see you over on TikTok. If you're new to the Surveyor Hub, do check out some of our past recordings. And when you're ready, leave a review on Google or Apple iTunes. Or you can buy me a coffee. All the links are in the show notes. And if you want to find out more about how working with me can support your surveying business journey, please do drop me a message or take a look at the many free resources for surveyors and small businesses at lovesurveying.com.